Live from the Merck Park, USA, I'm Tavis Smiley. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. So glad to see you and me back in stride again. Our phone number, 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. All of our socials can be found at KBLA 1580. That's Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Everything at KBLA 1580. Let me also invite you right now to download our app. At KBLA 1580, download the app and take us with you anywhere in the world and listen to us in real time. But only if you download the app right now at KBLA 1580. Should you miss us any day in real time, check out the podcast of this program by going to the app, the website, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, so many places to get the podcast of this program and listen at your leisure should you miss us any day in real time. But I am delighted to have you along live with us today for the next three hours. You can also watch the podcast, um, uh, the live stream, I should say. Uh, You can also uh, watch the live stream of this program by tapping on the KBLA TV icon on our app or by going to our YouTube channel. Let me also invite you to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at the real Tavis Smiley, and get Twitter updates at Tavis Smiley. Another good show on tap for you today in our second hour, Fox and Rob Richardson on the story of love that held them together when incarceration kept them apart. What would you do if your husband, your high school sweetheart, was sentenced to 61 years in prison, leaving you alone to raise your sons? Would you stay with him? Mm. Would you walk away? What would you do? The documentary of their love story was Academy Award nominated, but their new book goes even deeper. Fox and Rob Richardson join us in hour two to talk about their love story. In our third hour, the motivator Les Brown continues his exclusive month-long KBLA Talk 1580 radio residency with another episode of You've Got to Be Hungry. So far, Les has given us uh, it's possible, it's necessary, it's you, yesterday it's hard, and today's theme, it's worth it. Today's theme, it's worth it. Les Brown, live on KBLA Talk 1580, just two hours from now. But in this first hour today, two conversations on the B side of this hour. Coming to the end of the third quarter, LeBron James, a shot in history. Well, he did it last night. Uh, the Lakers could not defeat the uh, OKC Thunder, but LeBron did uh, did break the NBA scoring record last night here in L.A., as you well know. We'll talk about it uh, on the backside of this hour with our resident sports authority and host of our weekend program, Out of Bounds, with Ray Richardson. Ray Richardson will also be joined by Zoe Williams, who used to be our sports guy before he commenced his signature program, The Voice of Reason, heard weeknights at 7 p.m. here on KBLA Talk 1580. And since Miles is uh, our board out, Miles Lowe is a LeBron fan. And, okay, I, I see you, Miles, wearing his uh, LeBron jersey today. <laughs> I might even let uh, uh, Miles on the mic as well today since he's such a huge LeBron James fan. Uh, but uh, we'll begin today's broadcast with the President's State of the Union address last night. There's no place for political violence in America. We have to protect the right to vote, not suppress the fat fundamental right. 
honor the results of our elections, not subvert the will of the people. We have to uphold the rule of law and restore trust in our institutions of democracy. And we must give hate and extremism in any form no safe harbor. We're the United States of America, and there's nothing, nothing beyond our capacity if we do it together. God bless you all, and may God protect our truth. That was the president last night uh, in his annual State of the Union address. Um, you watch it? What'd you make of it? Uh, were you impressed? Um, for many people, it uh, was a um, uh, a blueprint, essentially, for what you're going to hear on the campaign trail, assuming that he runs for re-election. When many of us, most of us, I think, expect that he will, in fact, uh, run for re-election. He has said that um, he'll make an announcement about that sometime soon. But it seemed to me last night that um, his... Uh, uh, presentation last night was pretty much a layout, uh, a, a blueprint, if you will, of uh, what we're going to get on the campaign trail vis-a-vis -vis what he feels he's accomplished in his first term. Uh, when we come forward, we'll commence conversation with uh, Daily Beast contributor and former staffer for both Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, Michael Starr Hopkins on KBLA Talk 1580. Michael Starr Hopkins, what did you make of the speech last night? You know, I, I think people kind of tuned out the State of the Union. Uh, but what I will say, I thought that uh, President Biden was really smart in the way he uh, put Republicans into a corner when it came to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. And I think Republicans, you know, really showed who they are. Just no policy, no cooth, no respect. Um, they really showed out during that State of the Union. And I think... What they think is a good idea on Fox News is not what's resonating around the country. Mm. When you say they showed out last night, for those who uh, did not see it, because I take your earlier point that many people tuned it out last night, um, what did you see last night? What would you uh, share with the audience about their misbehavior, their bad behavior last night that most rankled you, that you thought was beneath them and, frankly, the nation last night? Look, I mean, you had Marjorie Taylor Greene calling out liar um, to the president of the United States, which we saw during uh, President Obama's tenure as well. You know, you just had Republicans heckling the president um, multiple points during the speech to the point where Kevin McCarthy had to stand up and hush them like a kindergarten teacher multiple times. That's, that's the kind of optics that I think Americans are going to see and really reject the tone and tenor of the Republican Party. Um, as our politics in this country, uh, Michael, get more and more divisive, uh, I'm wondering whether or not uh, this is going to, this being the speech that the president gives every year, going to become more and more of a circus. If you think Americans tuned it out last night, um, this sort of circus atmosphere, uh, as you mentioned, started during the Obama era. And last night, it just reached a, it reached a fever pitch last night. Uh, and it was difficult, you know, it was difficult to watch for those who weren't watching LeBron James break the record last night, which we'll talk about on the B side of this hour. But it was difficult to watch last night because it was such a, it was such a circus atmosphere. Uh, for many of us, it felt and looked to be, frankly, Bush League. Uh, but my question is whether or not you think last night was an outlier or whether or not you think in the years to come, again, as our politics get more and more divisive, we're going to see more and more of a circus around these presidential addresses annually. Look, when you have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene who understand the crazier things they say, the crazier they act, uh, the better their fundraising is, it's a blueprint. And so you're seeing it across the Republican Party. Uh, they've been taken hold by really this uh, extreme 
but social media savvy, um, kind of nationalist part of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten really good at have, taking these moments where they yell out things at the State of the Union or they say crazy things uh, on Twitter, and then there's an outrage, and they then email it out to their constituents who donate millions and millions of dollars. And while Democrats talk about how crazy they look, they're raising millions of dollars for their next campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, to my mind last night, and not just me, I've been reading a bunch of stuff this morning um, uh, taking the temperature of other uh, political watchers uh, who were paying attention to the speech last night. And again, there are many people across the country who at least believe that the president tried to play nice with Republicans last night. He talked a number of times about uh, bipartisan accomplishments over his first couple of years. Uh, he talked about the fact that uh, Democrats and Republicans can work together. So at least in his language, at least in his rhetoric last night, he tried to play nice with Republicans, but that still didn't go over so well. No, and look, if if Republicans don't like Joe Biden, then what Democrat are they going to like? Mm-hmm. I mean, Joe Biden has played nice with Republicans. He's done events with Mitch McConnell. He's talked kindly about you know working with Joe Manchin, who I consider Democrat name only. Um, you know, Biden is the kind of Democrat who Republicans should at least have a desire to work across the aisle with. And so they just continue to embarrass themselves when they try to paint Joe Biden as this hardcore leftist when we all know Joe Biden's got a record. Mm-hmm. Last night, I expected, and perhaps I should not have, I expected that the president was going to talk a bit more about two things that he really didn't um, cover in any uh, depth last night. Um, the Chinese uh, surveillance balloon was a huge story, obviously, for the nation over the weekend, uh, but the president barely mentioned it last night. Uh, I thought he'd also, on the uh, eve of this one-year invasion of Ukraine by Russia, uh, talk more about um, the war in Ukraine, given the billions of dollars that he's approved uh, of taxpayer dollars going to support that war. Um, Both of those things mentioned last night, but just barely. Uh, And so it seems to me that the president was trying to advance this notion last night, uh, as most presidents do, uh, about putting America first foreign policy last, because I think Joe Biden understands that most Americans uh, don't really vote on foreign policy issues. At least that was my takeaway last night, uh, considering how little he addressed Ukraine or this Chinese spy balloon. Yeah, I think especially when it comes to Ukraine, um, he didn't talk about it as much as I think a lot of people expected, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting to your point. Um, You know, if this escalates further, you could see Joe Biden really being a wartime president. Um, and I think that could be an argument should someone like Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis be the nominee. That's a really winning argument for Joe Biden. In this time of international chaos, do we want to go back to someone who, you know, tweets uh, by edict, who, you know, starts international uh, conflicts on Twitter? Or do we want someone who's a steady hand, who we know, you know, the critique on him is he's too boring. I think Americans will take the boring guy over the chaos theory any day, any day of the week. Mm-hmm. What he did focus his attention on last night, no surprise here, was the economy. His uh, comment last night was he wanted to finish the job on the economy. He goes into that speech last night with some really great news about record low unemployment. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, many fellow citizens feel 
um, that per se. Uh, but the data at least suggests to us that we are experiencing right now record low unemployment. Uh, he rolled that wave last night, as I expected that he would, uh, talking about all that he's done to improve the economy over his first couple of years. Uh, I wasn't surprised, again, that he went in that direction. Uh, but what, what's, what's your take on whether or not he's getting the credit he deserves? We'll talk in a moment about some of these poll numbers vis-a-vis um, uh, -vis the present standing. What's your take on whether or not he's getting the credit for the record low unemployment that he was bragging about last night? I think Americans are seeing a strong economy, but I think that they're seeing a disconnect between the strong economy and strong wages. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where you're seeing the frustration when you see, you know, eggs as expensive as they are, and Americans don't understand that eggs are that expensive because there was uh, an illness that went through chickens and killed some, you know, four million chickens and made egg prices temporarily more expensive. I think there's a disconnect there. But I think when Americans go and apply to jobs mm -hmm. and see that there's a surplus of jobs uh, and that pretty much any American who wants a job can find one right now, I think that's where uh, it really resonates with voters. And I think that's where you saw in the midterms when Republicans were talking about you know, critical race theory and you know people wanting to have late-term abortions. And Democrats were talking about jobs, the economy, and having choice. That's mm. where kitchen table issues that really resonate. I, I take your point about the distinction between a strong economy uh, that we are told we are uh, in the midst of uh, experiencing uh, and strong wages, which many people, in fact, do not feel. Is there anything the president can do uh, regarding that disconnect between the strong economy and strong wages? Yeah, I mean, I think the president needs to have a moral conversation about living wages. Mm -hmm. He has hit a point in his first term where let's Oh, he's been he's had a historic first term. He's managed to pass legislation that I think most people, Democrat or Republican, never thought he would be able to pass. And what a legacy it would be if his uh, final act, should he win a second term, be to have a real moral conversation and implementation of a living wage around the country. Because there's no reason that people should work 40 hours a day and then to go home and not be able to afford keep the lights on, put food on their table, or even have a home. Mm -hmm. He used that line last night um, uh, again and again, finish the job, finish the job, finish mm -hmm. the job on the economy. As I said a moment ago or moments ago, uh, it seemed to me that we're starting to get some sense of what he is going to be saying on the campaign trail should he decide he's going to run for re-election. We'll talk about that in just a moment here. Um, but you think that line resonates, uh, even though people don't uh, feel it in their pocketbooks as yet, uh, to your point about, uh, you know, not having strong wages, even though the economy appears to be bouncing back. Is that a, is that a winning line? Uh, finish the job on the economy. It is, because what you don't want to do is have the economy headed in a good direction, which we've had months on top of months of pro positive growth, and change course. It goes back to that continuity. Uh, you know, when you're a wartime president, you don't want to change things because you don't want to change course during war. Well, when you're in an economic crisis, like we were when President Biden took over, you don't want to change when we're on a good path. And so I think that that argument, finish the job when it comes to the economy, finish the job when it comes to improving Americans' lives, not only is a good tagline, and thank God Democrats have finally learned how to do a <laughs> short, distinct tagline, uh, but it resonates. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see if it resonates uh, and in that regard a couple of things I want to talk to you about in the time we have left here between now and the bottom of the hour um, uh, number one um, Washington Post had a poll out early this week uh, we talked about it uh, my recollection is that 6 in 10 Americans really aren't feeling 
um, that the president um, is doing um, a remarkable job. Um, that number is um, was pretty astounding uh, to look at, uh, given all that he has passed vis-a-vis uh, -vis legislation that you and I have just discussed in part. Um, six in ten Americans still don't think uh, that um, that his record of accomplishment is something uh, that would necessarily get them to the polls to vote for him once again. Um, and that's 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 across the board. Six in ten. Um, when you talk specifically about Democrats. Um, Democrats, uh, again, a majority of Democrats who have been polled, and this is now you know, Washington Post, New York Times. It, it, I, I've lost track of how many polls have been taken uh, that suggest to us that Democrats um, don't necessarily think he is the right person to be their candidate uh, in 2024. Uh, they are wondering, you know, what an 80-year-old president really has left in the tank. Again, he started to make the case last night. He's done a pretty good job, and he wants an opportunity to finish the job. But Democrats, specifically, and more broadly, the nation, doesn't really be uh, doesn't seem to be uh, feeling uh, Joe Biden. And I sort of feel for him in some ways that he's not getting uh, the respect uh, that uh, perhaps he deserves. But what do you make of those numbers uh, writ large across the country, and specifically, what do you make of the numbers inside the Democratic Party? Well, I think it's interesting when you look at uh, whether Americans want Joe Biden to run for president. You're right. There is a strong majority that doesn't want Joe Biden to run for reelection. When you do a head to head of Joe Biden versus Trump and Joe Biden versus DeSantis, over 90 percent of Democrats want Joe Biden to run for office. And so there's this like esoteric question of do you want him to run? And then there's the question of if Trump or DeSantis are the nominee, do you want him to run? And that's the question that we need to really look at, because. As of right now, if we were to look at the Democratic field and say who can beat Trump, who could beat DeSantis, I think there's a lot of questions about that when you take Biden out of that equation. Mm -hmm. I don't think there are a lot of people who think that Biden would lose to Trump in the second race. I think there are people who are a little nervous about DeSantis. But i got to say, if you look at how Biden handled that crowd last night, mm -hmm. he had a couple stumbles, but he was pretty spry. He was pretty sharp. He managed to cut him down when he needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Ron DeSantis, um, do you think that he, in fact, is going to be competitive against Donald Trump and not just Ron DeSantis? We now know that uh, um, his former U.N. ambassador, uh, Nikki Haley, uh, is also teeing up uh, a potential run at this point, uh, given that Donald Trump got out way early. Um, in part, I think, to kind of handicap the field of uh, Republicans who might uh, throw their uh, hats in the ring. It hasn't stopped Nikki Haley, and again, Santis has not. DeSantis has not declared as yet. But is, it your, but is it your sense that at this point, Trump is still the person to beat, the man to beat on that side of the aisle? Yeah, you got to beat the man to be the man, and Republicans are still terrified of Trump, and I can't figure out why. the The game plan that it looks like Republicans are going to run is the same one they did in 2016. Everyone else is going to wait for someone else to take Trump out. So you got DeSantis. Uh, getting attacked by Trump yesterday. Trump put out uh, pictures of DeSantis with high school kids and basically called DeSantis a, a pedophile from when he was a, a, pro a professor at a boarding school for high schoolers. Mm. You, you know, he hasn't hit Nikki Haley the same way, but he's gone after Chris Christie. He's gone after you know, all these potentials, and no one really tees off on him. This election is going to be interesting because I think a weakened Donald Trump, I think – the Koch brothers being willing to spend millions of dollars to knock Donald Trump off 
club for growth committed to spending millions of dollars to knock Trump off. I mean, you could really see a party that uh, is just a an absolute bonfire because Trump's not going to walk away gracefully. If he doesn't win, he's going to take the party with him. Mm. Um, in the final analysis, do you think the president's speech last night mattered? What we have what we've become accustomed to is that uh, the day or two after the speeches, the president uh, gets out on the on the hustings, uh, travels the country to try to. Um, uh, press his message a little bit further, uh, number one. I don't know if the, if the, if the president's going to do that. I haven't seen his schedule. Um, but we're used to presidents typically getting some kind of bump after the speech. But to your earlier point, when we began this conversation, if you think that most Americans tuned it out, the ultimate question is, does it matter? Is the president going to get a bump for what he did last night? It does matter because he didn't do any harm. Mm-hmm. The headlines today aren't Biden looks old, Biden stumbles, they're pretty much overall their Biden sounded strong and that's good momentum heading into him announcing. Mm-hmm. Finally here, um, he, uh, spoke last night about raising the debt limit. And when he got to that, that's, as you well know, when much of this heckling started, um, it seems to me that there's a, there's a game of, um, uh, uh of chicken here, a high stakes game of chicken around raising this debt limit. Uh, and obviously the U.S. economy is at stake. Um, things, again, seem to be going in the right direction at the moment. Um, but what did you make of that, of, 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 the, of the, the outcry last night when he started talking about raising the debt limit? Here's the problem with Republicans and the position that Democrats are in. Republicans are hostage takers who are willing to kill the hostage, that being the U.S. economy. Mm-hmm. Democrats aren't willing to kill the U.S. economy to prove a point. And so there is a strong possibility that we're Republicans are actually willing to walk the country off the edge in default. And so it's going to be a really tense, I think, last couple of days before things get decided, because it's not going to be, you know, a week or two before the debt ceiling uh, has to be raised that they figure out a plan. They're going to go down to the last couple of minutes. Um, I just I think this is where Senate Republicans, where Mitch McConnell uh, and kind of some of the more senior people in the Republican Party are going to have to come out and really, you know, make a public cry for this. Mm, we shall see. We shall see. Michael Star Hopkins, uh, contributor for the Daily Beast. Good to have you on the program. All the best to you, sir. Thanks for your time today. Thank you so much. You take care, man. Good to have you on. After news, traffic, and sports. Speaking of sports, LeBron James sets the NBA scoring uh, record uh, last night, breaks it and resets it. Uh, We'll uh, talk about that when we come forward. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580.